From the Trick or Treaters podcast, join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast podcast network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. And hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I am your host, Kyle, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, JR. How are you doing today? I am doing great as we were recording December 5th, 2020. We're in the full swing of the holiday season. You know, basically, I had, like, two more Thanksgivings because my sister came back into town. So we had, like, it wasn't Thanksgiving. We did, you know, in our family, we, we make uh basole which is a uh mexican soup with pork and hominy after thanksgiving you know when she came back into town which was really you know good and i had tons of leftovers happy about that and then uh you know just getting the full swing of things getting all my packages delivered and you know getting them wrapped up for christmas and trying to stay bundled up because it is getting cold i've been saying i think for the last three weeks but man this weather's i feel like as we get older kyle our body tells us how cold it is by how bad it hurts. Oh yeah. It's like the um, that old saying, I make noises getting out of I make no, more noises getting in and out of bed than I actually do in bed. <laughs> Been a eventful week to say the least, but we'll, we won't get into anything. I'm doing a pretty good day. I'm I'm off today. Uh really don't have anything to do but record this and and do a, do a couple more episodes uh with some different podcasts, but I'm I'm having a good day so far. Yeah, you know, one thing we talked about, and uh, I made a mistake. Uh, as, as you don't know, the McDonald's McRib is back. You know, they are not they're not a sponsor. If they would like to give us sponsor money, we definitely will take it, but they're not a sponsor. That'd be great. And the McRib is back, and it's one of, in my opinion, I think it's actually the best sandwich McDonald's has. And I kept seeing all these posts about McRib, and I wanted to go get one. And then, you know, for viewers, the, our listeners that don't know, you know, I grew up a very big boy. Um, at my highest point, I was over 300 pounds. Now I'm, you know, around 200 to 205, depending on my meals for the day. And I work out and eat right. But I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a McRib. And then I made the mistake of looking at the nutritional fact, and I'm going to go get a salad instead now with yeah. no dressing. So, uh, I highly recommend, you know, if you if you haven't had McRib or you like McRibs, go get it. Just don't look at the nutritional facts because it's going to ruin it for you. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that does that with a lot of foods, unfortunately, especially foods I really like. So I try <laughs> I'll to give you a- <laughs> avoid looking at them. I'll give you another one, and so we'll move, move on. But there's this uh, – we, we had this new cookie shop in my hometown, and I actually seen it um, in another state, and it's called – I believe it's called Crumbled. And they're known for these, like, really, uh, like, you know, very good size um, cookies that are, like, gourmet. And they're, like, every week, you know, it changes. Like, I looked up right now. They have a red velvet cream cheesecake, a chilled cookies and cream 
milkshake, um, cookie, Biscoff, uh, peppermint bark, milk chocolate, chilled sugar. So like they're they're known for like the these very gourmet extravagant cookies, and they're I will be honest, the size of the cookie is probably the size of a bottom part of a burger bun. And I was like, these can't be good for you. And I was like, I like the nutritional effect. And I was like, holy crap. These things are horrible for you. Like, like you're going to get diabetes if you eat one of these cookies alone. <laughs> so it's, yeah. So if you start looking up nutritional facts on certain, th- on certain things, you're in for a rude awakening. So if you are going to indulge, just, you know, don't look it up and just go run two miles the next day to, to exactly. recover from it. Because it's it's not gonna work in your favor. Indulge blindly, but but make sure to go to the gym and stay active. Yeah, I was so blown away. I couldn't believe how much how much calories was in this this one cookie. And for for record, I didn't eat it. It was a friend. I just saw him because I naturally stay away from sweets. If I'm going to indulge in anything, it's going to be something savory. I'm like really big into like you know I rather eat. I told this other day like, when we're talking about Thanksgiving. I'm not big into like the Thanksgiving entrees. I'm big more into like appetizers. So I like, you know, like egg rolls or taquitos or nachos, you know, things like that's what I rather indulge in. Uh, hot, like hot wings. I love like hot wings is like my biggest cheat meal. That's the one like I'm like, screw it. Hot wings and whiskey are like my two biggest cheats. I, if I'm going to cheat, that's what I do. I've had a McRib or two this week, but after hearing you, uh, Talk about the nutritional value. I, I may have to hold off on getting any more for at least a week or so. It, one of the things too, and, and we'll end with this is, it's also cool to see other things that they used to carry and kind of wonder. Oh, you know, obviously McRib is a staple. And I don't think it'll ever go away, and, it, and it's always a limited time offer. But you know, one of the one of my favorite things too. I don't watch a lot of n- normal television. I do a lot of streaming, but also a lot of YouTubing. And uh, one of the things I love seeing is a. Uh, a channel called Good Mythical Morning with Red and Link. Yeah, I've seen that. And they did one called McDonald Discontinued um, Items. And they've done this with a few other places like Billy Taco Bell and Burger King's on there. Um, McDonald's used to carry a McLobster roll. And then I started... Wow. Yeah, and it basically was... uh, You know, I... You know, a lobster roll, for those of you not familiar, is... And I've had it in Maine. It's basically a really nice, like, sourdough roll that's cut in half. It has, you know, it's all lobster. And you can have different variations. The one I like is basically just lobster and a little bit of butter. But it's mostly known for having, like, mayonnaise and some other things in it, uh, like chives. Um, There's different variations of lobster rolls. But that's kind of, like, the number one. So the way they did it was, like, they use, like, it's a type of fish and then a little bit of lobster. I can't remember the type of fish. But then there's other things. Like, I started looking up, like, they had a hot dog. They had a, a hula burger, which was all it was, was a pineapple ring on, and like cheese and teriyaki, which was used during, I believe, the season of Lent uh, where, you know, Catholics can't eat meat on Fridays. They had, I think, I don't know if I said spaghetti, they had hot dogs. So it's kind of crazy over the years. You see like some of the different things, like, you know, different, these fast food places used to carry. And I know McRib was probably born out of one of those, um, but the fact that it's still around and, and how popular it is is crazy. I'm sure if I drive by a McDonald's right now, there'd probably be 30 people in line trying to grab one. Enough about McDonald's. They want to sponsor us. We'll do a whole episode on them. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite movies. Uh, JR saw it for the first time this week. Uh, 
and I'm I'm interested to see what he thought of it. it we're, we're talking about the 2014 movie It Follows, but before we get into that, uh, we have a a couple of news bits. As always, brought to you by CarmenChildersAVTech.com. In the first bit of news, I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, I saw the movie Freaky on, it came out on Friday the 13th. I saw it in theaters on Sunday at, at the matinee, which is me and like one other person. My local theater uh, requires a mask and, and they social distance everybody else. So I felt fine there um, uh, myself. Uh, I mean, if you don't want to go to theaters, you know, I, I completely understand and understand you so like if you wanted to see freaky but you didn't want to go sit in theaters uh i think it was yesterday or it was either yesterday or the day before um freaky is now available on video on demand uh it's on amazon prime voodoo and uh fandango and any other like video on demand uh apps you may use it's uh unfortunately it's it, it has a price tag of twenty dollars for you to rent I feel like that's a little steep considering you could probably, you'll be able to buy it when it comes out for that price. I'm thinking, you know, they should cut it down to like $10 or $5, but, but anyway, uh, it, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I recommend if people wanted to watch it, uh, either wait, if you don't want to wait for it on DVD, uh, rent it on video on demand. It, it's been one of my favorite ones that I've seen this year. It was a real fun film. Yeah, actually, I did notice that. Um, I definitely am interested. I probably will wait, though, until either it's... I don't have a problem buying movies at $20. I do have a problem renting it, unless it's something yeah. I really, really want to watch, which, to me, the only movie I'm going to spend that kind of money on with, you know, blindly to rent is going to be Halloween. Um, or maybe <laughs> something like... Or maybe, like, a Fast and the Furious, the next one. Uh, <laughs> um, just because I know my wife would want to see it. And, you know, I have a bad habit where I don't have patience. So that's what, uh, you know, if it's something I really want to watch, I'm going to order right then and there. Um, but I think, you know, let's, I, I don't know if it's on your news, but we definitely, I think we should segue though about the Warner Brothers news. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about it. Um, so, I mean, it came out that Warner Brothers uh, cut a deal for all their 2021 releases that the day it will be released in movie theaters, it would also be released on HBO Max. Um, this is a continuation from, you know, the, on Christmas Day, HBO Max will show Wonder Woman 1984. So this is a really, really big deal because this essentially opens the floodgates for other studios to potentially cut a deal with um, any type of streaming services, whether it's, you know, HBO Max or you know there's so many out there there's CBS All Access there's Peacock which is affiliated with NBC there's you know all the other ones uh you know that we just mentioned like Voodoo or Fandango and whether you know not this isn't about politics but whether you agree or disagree but the pandemic is still way into effect cases are still surging it's not going away anytime soon the vaccine is nowhere near you know coming to us and movie movie studios are taking massive amounts of hits and I, I think we may have talked about this in one of our earlier um, episodes but you know these studios they're willing to take these hits for potentially one year because they're you know a loss in revenue is a tax write-off but continuing is not sustainable and they don't have a choice but you know they have to make money on these you know especially these you know multi-million dollar 
tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars films. You know, one of the biggest ones um, besides like Wonder Woman 1984 they're talking about is Matrix 4 and Suicide Squad for next year. You know, that's a, you know, multi-million, you know, in the hundreds of millions of their budgets that they had. So um, it'd definitely be interesting to see where they're going to go with this. Not just them, but also other studios. Um, two of the ones I would say, just looking at in May, you have Godzilla versus Kong. June, you have Conjuring, uh, The Devil Made Me Do It. Those are, so those are the two horror ones. We also, you know, not horror, but one that I would be excited for, the Suicide Squad that comes out in August. Um, so, and the last one I would say is be sometime uh, Mortal Kombat 2021, because I grew up watching Mortal Kombat. So, I don't know if you had any thoughts or to share on top of that, Kyle. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is interesting because now it's like, do you see the movie in theaters if you're comfortable going to theaters, or do you watch it, you know, from your home on HBO Max? It'll obviously be way cheaper uh, to watch it on on HBO Max because if, uh, if unless I'm misunderstanding, it's just gonna be included with your subscription, right? Like uh, whenever they come out in theaters, it'll be on there, available for you to watch. Yes, to my knowledge, and, I, and the only I can base off is Wonder Woman 1984. It will be Wonder Woman 1984 comes out Christmas Day. Will be on HBO Max for a month. Yeah, with the normal subscription. Uh, normal uh, subscription. Yeah. The one thing I will say though, um, you you know, I'll say this politically: you live in a red state, I live in a blue state. Typically, red states are are a lot more open. Blue states are a lot more closed off. Yeah. I don't have a local movie theater that's open next to me. So, yeah. um, you know, for me, and I think when you look at the overall aspect, the bigger populated states or bigger you know metropolitan cities like a Los Angeles, like a New York, like a Chicago, and even, you know, we have Detroit um, without looking into it. It's highly likely those ones that are going to generate your, you know, tens of thousands or, you know, and if you look city-wise, state-wise, you know, millions of dollars opening weekend, first two weeks in a movie theater, they're not going to be open at all. Even if they are open, there are people who are still going to be who are not going to want to go to theaters. And in addition to that, you had in social distancing protocols, you know, they're look that's still a significant loss of revenue they're going to have. So, you know, this is one of the ones that's just like they have to make it. And I think really the first domino to fall in this was when Disney Plus didn't launch, and it became like you know they made money. You know, I don't yeah. know if they would. I don't but, know the overall cost versus if they would have done the theaters. Yeah, but that, that the was only thing was Domino. Yeah, but the only thing with Mulan was that it was available on Disney Plus for for thirty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> on top of your on top of your Disney Plus description. Yeah, and, and like, so, so it's like, are these movies going to cost a certain amount on top of your subscription, or are they included in your subscription? Because if they're yeah. included in your subscription, then hell, this is a great a great deal. I well, one of the things is Disney Plus. It's below. It's like seven or eight dollars a month. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and HBO Max is like ten to fifteen, something like that. Well, HBO before HBO, it's fifteen dollars a month, which to me it's a very that is you know very substantial. Even if even if you're even if the cost is 
I mean, I mean, back to that, I don't mean cost. Even if your subscription rate is is a million subscribers a month, you know, you just went from, you know, that's doubled. So if Disney Plus, I believe, I want to say it's like seven, it's six ninety nine or something. Some people they do the um, they do the yearly ones, which gives you even bigger a bigger discount. So I mean, here's an I I don't have the exact cost, but I know like it says Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN is thirteen dollars a month for all those three services. So um, yeah, Disney is seventy dollars, excuse me, seven dollars a month or seventy dollars for the year. So HBO Max is more than double by a dollar. Obviously, Disney Disney makes you know Disney owns the world, so they make all kinds of crazy you know amounts of money. Yeah. Um, I think maybe when you look at that overall potential of hey we're going to release this movie warner brothers and you're saying the whole slate where a movie like suicide squad is like it would generate a significant amount of money for you know compared to maybe a smaller movie um i was just use the conjuring for example i'm 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 sure that had to make less money than the suicide squad the first conjuring versus the first suicide squad yeah and so it kind of balances out in addition to that, though, what also is you have a, a higher potential is it may not generate the 73 million users like Disney Plus does. But if people know, hey, we're going to release all these new movies, their subscription rate is more likely going to go up. By how much? Nobody knows for sure. But, but it's safe to say it will go up a pretty decent amount. And that's just going to continue adding to their you know revenue of users. So I do think it's a it definitely, if the numbers didn't work out for um, for HBO, I don't think they would have done it. And same thing with Warner Brothers. If Warner Brothers felt like the numbers weren't going to work out, they wouldn't have done it either. But this is one of those things where movie companies and you know this whole long-winded explanation I'm giving at the very end, if I put an explanation point on it, is that movie studios are hurting and they have movies in cans that they're not making money and they need to find a way to make money. Yeah, it's just pretty much you're pretty much just gonna have to go with what you feel. It, it's weird. It's like I love going to movie theaters, but I'll feel more comfortable at home, and it feels like maybe watching these movies might be cheaper to do it on HBO Max if it's included in your subscription. We're not sure if they're gonna cost a certain amount on top of that, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll just see how it all plays out. I, I will say though to add, um, when you're home, you're more likely you're gonna have better snacks than at a movie theater. That's true. Um, and we we're joking about that uh, online, me and a couple other people on Twitter about, man, I, I miss going to the movies because e- eating that popcorn and that horrible oil they call butter substance. I'm like, oh yeah, I miss those microwavable pretzels and those stale tortilla chips with uh in thick thick cheese product sauce. <laughs> but oh, uh, man. Um, but when you're home, though, you can order, you know, you can order Domino's or Pizza Hut or you can make your own nachos, you know, you can do whatever true. you want at your own house. And, you know, you can pause. You can pause and go to the restroom if you have to. You don't feel like you have to miss a movie. That's true. Very true. Besides that, last bit of news, the original creator of Hellraiser, Clive Barker, he's regained the U.S. rights to the franchise. Starting December 19th, the rights will be back in his hands. For those who don't know, under the Copyright Act of 1976, uh, authors are able to recapture rights from publishers after waiting a prescribed period, usually with, usually 35 years, 
for newer works uh, and seeing a notice within a five-year window. And and so Barker is going to have rights back to the Hellraiser franchise, which which is probably great because, man, this franchise has put out some terrible, terrible movies since he's lost, since he hadn't been involved. I was going to ask, is that um, is that based on you know getting those rights back? Does things prevent that? Because when you say that, I'm interested. I'm like, well, what about movies like you know Halloween? Does like John Carpenter get the rights back, or or if it's if it's in the contract that they forfeit the rights, does yeah. that have potential impact? That's interesting though to, to hear that. Yeah, uh, I'm not too familiar with the legalities of all that, so like you know, you didn't go to the social media school of, of media law. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say anything that, that could be wrong on that. But uh, it's interesting, though, for him to regain the rights, though. It, uh, I know he's he's going to be involved in the Hellraiser TV series that's uh, in the works. So it would be interesting to see if we get new Hellraiser movies actually, you know, done right. Yeah, there's um, I, I think I made a mention when we talked about the new, the new TV series that's coming out is one Halloween, Netflix had all of the Hellraisers and I saw them all and I was like, man, those things they went on some deep end, especially that one that didn't have, that they had to put in a new Dimension Films release. It was called Revelations. They oh, had to the find one, a new a pinhead. The one in space? No, this one, this was one that Dimension Films put out. I think it's called oh. Revelations, but they had to, the original person that played uh, Pinhead wasn't in it. Um, but they had to release this like film or else they were gonna lose the rights. So it was like they really they just accelerated and put this just horrible film out. And um yeah, they they've done some really shoddy work with the uh, with the Hellraiser um series, which is insane because if you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, like Pinhead is like is a really badass horror icon. Like the whole concept of Pinhead and you know the you know tearing people's souls apart and you know the landman configuration and you know it's a really badass character it's like it's up there you know it's another one like for example like the the wishmaster uh Jin. it's just like these are some like badass like you know horror characters that they really could you know do something with them especially if you're looking at doing some sort of like if if anybody ever got on the same page and do cross cross promotions or you know another another one of these fantasy you know type of movies like they did with Freddy versus Jason, it really would be pretty awesome, but Yeah. Well, I think that's all the news. That's all the news I had. I don't know if you had anything else. Um even if I did, I, I talked way too much already on the whole <laughs> Disney HBO debacle. So it's just time to move on. <laughs> all right. Well that's all the news. So now we're gonna get straight into the heart of this episode uh like i said before we're talking about one of my one of my favorite movies i've seen in recent times it's one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years for sure uh the movie came out in 2014 it's called it follows uh i, I haven't heard from jr because he saw it for the first time this week to uh, to review it so how do you think about this movie before we got in before we get into it it's a very interesting movie uh for lack of a better word um <laughs> it's not a bad movie I, I will definitely say that like Thank it's you. not you know when you hear the whole premise of it you're just like 
as soon as Kyle told me we were reviewing this, I was just like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> um, and even as I explained it to like two other people, they're like, are you watching porn? <laughs> and, um, but I definitely think there's a few, I think there's some interesting takeaways from it. Yeah. I think there's um, interesting metaphors that, you know, reading up on it, I yeah. think is, uh, is pretty awesome. I did like the the main character. Um, yeah, she who, was. I believe great. her name is. I, I'm gonna mess up her first name, but I think it's like Micah Monroe M A I K A. I I think you're right. Yeah. Micah, uh, something something to that effect. Uh, Monroe. Yeah. She was also in uh, in a movie. Her name is Jay. Uh, Jay. She's also was in the second Independence Day and the Fifth Wave. Um. To name a few other mo- you know, prominent films that she was in. Yeah. So, and I, and I really did like the, you know, the whole cast of characters. You know, they did. I think each one had a good role played. That. Yeah, I think everybody. I think everybody was was fine as far as like the cast. The only one I think I felt was just kind of there that really didn't bring too much to the movie was the girl who played who played Yarrow. Besides, like saying some little stuff from quotes from poems or books she really didn't bring much much to the cast for me the the three most important characters which i think they are the 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 stars of the show was uh micah who played jay her sister in the movie kelly played by lily sippy sepe s-e-p-e-a yeah s-e-p-e and then paul played by kira gilchrist um, yeah, they had some very interesting, you know, dialogue and scenes with each other. Um, and we'll get it. I mean, we'll get into that. But yeah. I think that's one of the things when you look at, especially a movie like this, and you're just like, I don't know, and you know about it, and then you get into it in the first ten minutes. If they have like really horrible acting, you're gonna turn it off. And you know, I think they did a good job, especially. I mean, it is. It's very. Um, it's a very unique film. It's a very unique storyline, and. I think they did a great job. I really like the. Um, for me, it felt kind of like a, like a really gritty grindhouse type film. See, uh, see, I'm wondering, like I, I asked you earlier, and you didn't pick up on it. Uh, you know, this was like heavily influenced by Halloween, and like there's a lot of Halloween tropes in this movie that I don't, I don't think that you picked up on. I, I I didn't. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. yeah. I know reading. So, um, right, I know so, reading. A, well, we'll talk about the stuff. The you know, and afterwards. I don't want. I don't want to get too far before we review it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it. All right. so, so yeah, we're like I said, we're talking about uh, 2014's It Follows. Uh, and with that being said, we're gonna get straight into it. I used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself. Holding hands with a really cute guy. Driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. Okay. You awake? What You're not gonna believe me. And I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Whoever you are, 
somewhere, walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. I'm scared. I need to find him. Who did he really do to you? Apparently, he used a fake name to rent a house in the city. This isn't real. I swear to you, this is just some game. If it kills her, it gets me. It goes straight down the line, whoever started it. What exactly is supposed to be following you? I don't know. Something happened. That's not what she thinks, okay? You don't believe me. Mom? No, it's me. Everything's okay. It could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in a crowd. Whatever helps it get close to you. So It Follows is directed by David Robert Mitchell. It came out May 17th of 2014. It has a runtime of 100 minutes. So it's it's a bit of a longer film, but it's it's definitely worth it. Uh, they, they used every minute, all the minutes in this movie well. It has a budget, it had a budget of $2 million, and it made a uh, uh, $23.3 at the box office. One of the things that like really draws me to this movie, and I've said this before on other uh, episodes, I'm a huge fan of cinematography in horror movies, and the the cinematographer, uh, I, I may butcher his name, Mike Hilakis, but man, this this film just so much beautiful shots throughout the the, the movie, the way it's shot. There's just so many iconic scenes. And uh, he, he's actually went. He he's actually done the cinematography for Split, Us, Glass, and another one of my favorites, uh, John Dies at the End. What well, I was saying earlier though, Jail was like this movie has a lot of tropes to, to Halloween and takes a lot of inspiration from Halloween. The director said that he took he actually took in, uh, he actually uh, took inspirations from John Carpenter's Halloween and George A. Romero. And uh, what I was saying is like the main character, Jay, Jay is short for Jamie. He named Jamie after Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis has a real life sister named Kelly Curtis, and that's who Jamie's sister is named after. When we get into the review, I'll tell you about a, a scene that's straight out of Halloween. And that's pretty much almost shot for shot. Besides like the awesome cinematography in this movie, this is this movie also has like a great sc- uh, score to it. Uh, it's by a artist called catastrophes and it, the best way i can explain it it's like an it's like 80s synth wave like top score that's what the, the music is in this movie and it just it, it adds to every every scene in the movie how do you think about it jr about the score and, and this and the cinematography and everything that was great i mean you look at i, I talked about earlier, the grittiness of the the film and you add in the, the score with it Everything about the way that it's shot and then the score makes it seem like it's a horror film. And then the crazy thing is, as we get to it, there's like no, like almost no deaths in this film. And yeah, there's only like two people. So when I, you know, yeah. we're watching, I'm like, is this even when when I was getting through this film, I was like, is this even a horror film? You know, is this thriller? 
but everything about you know the film is just you start it's that i believe that unknown factor and you know the eeriness of the music um you know one of the things is not the music part but like you know one the while you know this kind of remind me a little bit the of the first haul the first hauling by rob zombie like that kind of grittiness of it and yeah. then not this not the music part like you know uh fear of the reaper from you know blue oyster cult but when he had you know the actual score of the film it was just like that those two parts were important just to me very similar to like if you did a comparison to me that if you were going to do a modern day halloween like this would be like a modern day halloween and that's what you know it's and it's when you said that you got inspiration even when we get to the character the you know for lack of a better word the it character that's in here you know the spirit yeah the entity it freaking yeah. moves just like michael myers exactly. i mean that slow walk exactly besides like all the the way it was shot and the score and everything, and I told you the score is pretty much the base. The best way to explain it is it's 80s synthwave stuff. Uh, this movie is like it takes a lot of it, it. It feels like an 80s retro horror movie, like to me. But what's also great about it is that, and it, the director said he he did this on purpose. So like, he uh, he said that uh, he got the inspiration for this movie, but from he had, he had a reoccurring nightmare where uh this person followed him and would just walk slowly towards him and would never stop and that's where he got inspiration for a movie but uh it feels like an 80s retro horror movie and he, he did this on purpose you can't really nail down a timeline for when this movie takes place because in the opening scene there's a scene where you see you see a girl get into to like a modern car and then later on you'll see somebody driving what looks like a brand new car from the 70s and then like there's just cars and buildings that look like they're from different time periods but then there's also like scenes where you can see people using technology that are that's obviously not from the 70s and 80s so it's like you can't really nail down a timeline and uh, the director said that he did that on purpose. Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, like to me, I felt I really did feel like you're right when you talk about the the time period. But I mean, the best comparison I would say is like if you if you had a modern day Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, playing Laurie Strode, a modern day Annie Annie Bracket, Annie Bracket, you're like, hey, we're gonna nope. shoot this film today. I, I can't explain it. Like it's just that's what it felt like. It felt like a yeah. modern day Halloween to me. It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that again. The opening girl, Annie, she's named after Annie from Halloween. I I didn't notice that until after <laughs> you know until we started talking about it. But yeah. yeah, that was her. You know, the first character. Yeah. And uh, I mean, from as we go through the film, the very beginning really threw me off because I, I I feel like it took the the beginning. Yeah. Was it was like a different period. It was like it was. So, I had no idea what was going on in the beginning. Like, I didn't start picking up until we got to, you know, Jay and Hugh. Yeah. The movie opens up, and we see this we see this girl who, who we come to know as Annie, and she just looks horrified. And she's, she's looking at something, but we can't see what it is. And so she runs into her house, and you hear her mom, you know, uh, yell for her name, uh, yell her name Annie, and then she runs out of her house and uh she gets in her car so she ran in her house to grab her car keys and she pulls out of her driveway and then she drives off and then we later see her 
she's at a beach and at night and she's talking and her I think her dad calls and she's told him her dad that she loves him and she just wants to remind him how much she loves him him and her mom and that's when we turn around and we can see what looks like a person walking towards her and then the most the best one of the best shots ever and then all of a sudden it cuts to like a earliest morning beach scene and we see annie laying on the beach and her she's like all her her legs all it, it it's so hard she's all disfigured her, her her legs uh like looks like it's like broken in half but like still still attached to her and everything it, it's it's such a it's such an iconic scene and it just what a fucking way to open this movie you know one thing is you talk about the the, the cinematography and yeah. the you know effects is even i even give you talk about the inspiration of john carpenter it's kind of almost similar to you guys we mentioned the halloween how it's just like you have this scene that it kind of doesn't have anything to do with the with it has to do with the storyline but it doesn't have to do with like the main characters does that make yeah. sense yeah cool thing about this movie this movie was shot entirely in michigan mostly in detroit and so like all the places you go to and there like, you are real life places you, that you can go to and like uh, i think there's a place in michigan that actually has an it follows like film and location tour guide and everything you can go to uh well i don't know if it's mentioned in the in the movie because i i can't remember but they say that she's from oakland university jay yeah that's yeah. a that's a legit university um yeah I've, I've heard of it um i know about it um i want to say their their athletics program has even been like in the ncaa national tournament for for basketball if i'm not mistaken yeah so yeah that's i mean that's one of the things is that's kind of cool because you always hear about um you know in movies they always have some fake school like you know the for some ungodly no reason one that's coming to my head is I go to um, Haddonfield University, you know, from Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, but but yeah, so we get to, so we have this iconic scene, shot of Annie dead on the beach, just you know, amazing, amazing cinematography. So then we cut, and now we finally get introduced to our main character, Jamie or Jay, as 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 uh, they call her in the in the movie, and she's in her backyard in her swimming pool, and she's swimming. And uh, her her sister Kelly comes up to her and and tells her that her friends are coming over and ask asking if they want to watch a movie and she said that she has uh, a date and so then Jay is it cuts to we cut to the the date and Jay is with is on a date with this uh with this new this new guy she's met and his name is uh, Hugh. Well, so here, here's a cool, awesome part. Uh, they're going to a movie theater. The movie theater they're at is the famous Redford Theater in Detroit, Michigan, which, if you don't know, is the place where the first premiere of Evil Dead was in 1981. Yeah, and it's actually when you see the theater in the movie, it, and as we always say, I hope you watch the movie before you're listening to this because we don't want to ruin it for you. Yeah. Um, it, it's a legit theater. Like, you know, I have we have a local movie theater and that's very similar to this, except without the gold, it's, uh, it's, you know, they use red, but these old time theaters to me are just, to me, they're very iconic and it's part of that nostalgia factor. And I, th- I thought it was very cool. 
before they go in the theaters, uh, Jay is wanting to play a game with Hugh where they have to pretty much look around at people and pick someone that they want to trade places with. And then the other person has to guess who they picked. And so they're going through doing that and then they get in theaters and they're still playing. And uh, Jay tells Hugh that it's his turn. I mean, no, Hugh says, tells Jay that it's uh, her turn. And she, she says that she has a person and Jay turns, uh, Hugh turns around and he's looking around and then he, looks it turns around behind him and he says the, the girl in the yellow dress and jay turns around and she says that there is nobody there and he says well, what are you talking about there's a girl in a yellow dress and he goes i don't see anybody and so then you see jay seems to get upset about this and he says he gets he's he's not feeling well and so they end up leaving and then it shows them having uh having dinner and what i love about this scene i don't know if you noticed jr the way they shot this, you see them having dinner and the camera's focused on them. But if you look up, you can make the slot, you can make the slot, a uh, faint, uh, outline of someone walking towards the window. No, I did not notice that. And I know we start seeing that later on, but it, like I said, the very beginning, it took me a while to catch on the film. And that's one of the ones where if you, it's just a unique film and I can't keep, and I can't say that enough as we're going through it because for me, I'm like, you know, when he starts freaking out, Hugh, I'm like, why is he freaking out? Like I was so lost in this film. And yeah. then for me, I get, you know, looking back after, you know, as we get into this film, I'm like, Oh, it all starts making sense. Yeah. It's not until the second date when you really figure out, okay, what's going, what's actually going on. So that's the end of that day. And then it, it um, we go back, we cut back and it's it's the next day and we see Jay getting ready because uh, she's going to go on another date with Hugh. Well, on their date on the second date, uh, Hugh and Jamie end up uh, end up having sex in his car. And uh, this is another like what this I'm a praise the cinematography in this movie throughout the whole episode. I love the shot of right before it zooms in of just like this dark background with like barely lit lights. And then you see the, the the car, like just the way they shot that was just was beautiful. Uh, so they end up having sex in his car, and then afterwards we see Jay. She's kind of playing with some flowers, uh, hanging out her back seat with the, the door open, and we see Hugh turn. Uh, he gets uh, he gets behind her, and then he. Uh, he incapacitates her with, uh, I'm assuming chloroform. It never says, but that's what everybody else uh, assumes it is. And uh, he knocks her out with chloroform. And then we cut to another scene, and she is uh, tied up to a wheelchair in what looks like an abandoned like uh, plant thing. It's here where we finally start realizing what's actually going on. He wakes her up and explains to Jay that she's going to be pursued by an entity that only she and her can uh, that only she can see and he can see, and it'll it can take on the appearance of anyone. It can be someone you know or just a stranger in the crowd, and uh, we'll we'll come to find out later on in the movie that can take on the appearance of 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 dead people too. 
and that if it uh catches if the entity it'll it'll walk it'll it'll come for jamie but it'll walk real slow if it catches jamie it'll kill her and then it'll pursue the person uh the person after that did hugh explains her that you know he was that he had something and he passed it on to her by having sex with her in the car and after a while uh hugh hugh notices he sees it and he says here it is and so he grabs jay and uh he strolls her over there and he lets he wakes he lets her see a there's a naked woman just walking towards her and i don't know if you know uh if you picked up on it uh jr but uh the woman that that's take the form of is hugh's mom i did not notice who the 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 lady was um yeah real quick though to circle back so after they get done having relations in the car and he knocks her out and it this is always funny to me you talk about like how real life ruins you know movies yeah i always laugh when i see people use chloroform because chloroform you know this is like oh knocked unconscious it chloroform it's almost impossible for this to actually happen the chloroform actually at one point back in the and the only reason why I know this is because I took a CSI chemistry class when I was in college. <laughs> and it actually, back in the like mid to late 1800s, it was used as an anesthetic for, you know, certain types of surgeries. I think specifically like dentistry. But the problem was, is that it, do, it did have potential harmful side effects that they didn't know about. And it also reminds me of other issues with chemicals, like, uh, like when they had radon water, um, you learn about, and the effects of people using radon for other things. And nowadays, it's actually used more for pesticides. And um, for some reason, it's used in building construction. I don't know exactly why. But, yeah, it's like it's not actually like to, it, it could potentially put some make somebody dizzy and get in, you know, make them like drowsy. But to actually like completely knock them out, you're actually more than likely to kill the person by smothering them than you are to actually you know knock them unconscious but it's one of those things where we've seen in you know it got synonymous because of movies was well, from movies nothing else yeah, i mean you and i've even seen it in wrestling it's just it's one i mean one of the oldest gags in wrestling that we saw back like in the you know early 90s with a famous wrestler the undertaker that his manager paul bear would give him like a chloroform cloth to knock somebody out and so I just things like that yeah. always I find hilarious to me. But huh. it was such a you know, with in this scene though was like really he he takes he takes her to like this abandoned, you know, building that was like legit falling apart. I mean, it was completely like gutted, there was no walls, and it really creates um a very unique environment because as he starts talking as he was talking to Jay about, you know, what it is and then you know, it's you know, even though it's not it's not fast but it's smart, make sure you have multiple entries. And he's so panicky and it's just like this is the perfect place for me to tell her because there's it's wide open. So obviously, even though it's not fast, but there's multiple points of entry. So if it comes in through one way, he's gonna be able to go out the other way. So I mean it was it very it created a very unique environment instead of just saying like, you know, he took her to like a random hotel or something like that. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. It has a lot of symbolism uh, behind him taking her there. Uh, but so, so Jay sees the naked woman walking towards him, 
And so then she realizes that, you know, obviously there is something out to get her. And so Hugh grabs her, grabs the wheelchair, and they uh, end up leaving, uh, fleeing the the, the abandoned uh, plant thing. And he ends up dropping her back off at at her house. And her, while her friends are outside playing, uh, the, the, it's funny because they're playing. Her, her friends are playing Old Maid on, on the porch, and that game is pretty much the premise of the movie. Because in that game, you have to pass on stuff to other people, which I thought was was hilarious. How that that they did that. It's always unique to me seeing how different people you know enact in their environments like i was in my area we never played we never did anything in the front yard so to see them like in their front yard it just was unique I, you know and like i tell people like they're like why is that you know that type of symbolism that type of you know settings it's always for me it's the little things that always make a difference so it's always unique to see how people you know interact in in other cities and if you can even if you look at another movie like, for example, that's not even horror, but like Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, you know, they did the same thing. And that was also in Michigan, you know, that they they played on their front yard and their front porches. So I hear that's always common in the Midwest. But that unique type of, you know, those little things r- creates this, a natural setting for this movie that makes it, you know, to me, very. I know it's horror and fantasy, but it's still a very realistic, you know, setting, which is, I think, very cool. Yeah, yeah, it adds a whole nother level of horror to it. That you know, it that it it's in a setting that could take place. Uh, so after Jamie gets after Jay gets left uh, left outside, and uh, Hugh leaves leaves her. Uh, of course, Paul, Kelly, and and Yaro, uh, run out there and grab her, and. Uh, they call the police to, to figure out uh, figure out what happened, and Jay ends up uh, in the hospital and everything because I guess they're checking to make sure that uh, that that it was consensual sex and trying to figure out you know who this person is and and stuff like that and make sure he didn't have any diseases or anything. Well, the next day we see police outside of the like abandoned uh factory and they're looking for the woman that jay described or hugh and uh, it turns out he was actually living under a false identity and we see the police just find find like a, a purse and the wheelchair and everything so they don't really find anything and so then we get to the next scene and it's that we see jamie and uh a blue sh- she's at she's at she's at an, an afternoon college class and here's where one of the things I was hoping you'd pick up on, Jr. So we see Jamie, and she's in an afternoon class, and her teacher's uh, uh, reading something. And then we see uh, Jay look out the window, and she sees this old woman walking towards, but she don't think nothing of it, and she looks back. And then she looks back again, and we see her get closer, and and it's pretty clear that she's walking towards Jay. All right, so. This is where I was hoping you picked up on that. This is straight out of Halloween. You don't remember in in Halloween when Jamie when, when she's when is in school and she sees Michael. Yeah, 
Yeah. This is straight out of Halloween. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I obviously in the um, like I said, for me, all this after you said that, I'm like, it makes tons of sense why everything, yeah. why it's shot this way, and like I said, even this, you know, the spirit of, that is haunting her, just everything yeah. about the way that it moves, it's just and, like vampires. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really and it's just uncanny because of of every single different. Uh, take, you know, because there's as we go through the film, we talk about there's multiple, you know, characters that play the spirit, um, and then there's some that there's sometimes it also acts like a, um, you know, the other inspiration as you mentioned was George Romero, how sometimes it also acts like a zombie. Yeah. And so it's it's for me it's very cool. Like I'm always as I mentioned I, I'm big into nostalgia. I'm also big into. Um, into i can't think of the proper word but essentially um you know tributes for lack of a better word um you know when you when you give those i think the proper term is homage homage um can i say it right um when you pay homage to those that paved the way and just those even something like that to me is very unique and awesome so jay sees the old woman walking towards the window and so she obviously gets unsettled and gets up uh, packs her stuff up and leaves and and she leaves her class and then she's uh, walking towards the exit and if she turns around then she sees the old woman in the building and the woman just kind of passes passes by these two girls that are talking in the hall and so we hear jay yell out hello to see if they'll turn if they'll like you know notice her and they obviously don't see the woman they see jay and then they just kind of ignore her so then jay's obviously knows okay well this is this is legit so she runs off and uh, she goes to uh, Clark's ice cream where where Kelly, her sister, and uh, uh, their friend Paul are, are working. And so here's another awesome thing: Clark's ice cream is a real place in in Michigan. This is a real a real a real location that you can visit. And uh, she explains to to them about everything and. Uh, you know, obviously, they're not too sure whether whether or not everything she's saying is is real or not. But you know, I want to help her. So, and especially Paul, because it's pretty obvious Paul has a thing thing for Jay. And uh, uh, Paul says that he'll he'll sleep over at at their house. He'll sleep on the couch and everything. So we we cut to the next night. We could, Hold on, I feel so bad though because the sister yeah. Kelly just completely just like throws Paul to the bus. Oh yeah. Where he says like I'll sleep over. And he says on the fact like hell no, you'd be more worried about Paul humping your leg. Yeah. And I was just like man, yeah. this girl's over here freaking out. You're over here like throwing this character to the bus. Yeah. It reminded me of um. It reminded me of the characters from Freddy versus Jason. The. Oh yeah. Where uh, the main character who's played uh, Lori. Yeah. And then the um, I can't think of his name. Uh, the kid who plays Linderman. Uh, you know, yeah. his, you know, same thing, kind of nerdy friend from afar. So I, I thought, you know, I know that was one of the inspirations, but that was also cool though. It was just he's trying so hard to be like this brave protector, and it's just at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man, you're like a nerd. You probably get killed by you know some by a fly, let alone an evil spirit. Yeah. <laughs> So so Paul uh, sleeps over that night on the couch, and 
at some point, uh, Jay wakes up and walks downstairs and she sits on the couch and is hanging out with Paul. And uh, this is where we can start to kind of see that maybe there's something there between Paul and Jay. And uh, but but before, like they getting closer, a uh, something smashes through the, the kitchen window, and Paul goes and investigates, but he doesn't see anyone. And so he goes upstairs and he says he's gonna wake up uh, Kelly, so they can call the police. Well. It's during this that all of a sudden uh, Jay sees a a, dishe- a disheveled like half naked woman and she's just kind of walking towards her like and she's urinating on herself the entire time and it's like his scene is like this scene's terrifying <laughs> like I can't imagine like what, like what, what it would be like to like have that walking towards you like <laughs> how would you feel Jr. I run the opposite way. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people say, I would say in general, anytime you're facing a scary moment, like you'd freeze, but like, I would, I don't know, like, I would feel like I would be in a, in a fight motion, like I either run the opposite way or I would be like trying to take this person out. Yeah. So Jay runs up. So she sees that she sees the entity walking towards her. So then she runs upstairs to tell the others and she, uh, she goes in her room, she shuts the door. And, you know, she's she's obviously like scared, shaken up. And we hear a knock on the door and Paul's telling her to to let him and Kelly in. And she opens the door and they're standing there in the doorway talking to her. And then all of a sudden, I love this scene. We see this massively tall guy just like walk down the hall and duck under and then enter the room. And then, of course, uh, Jamie ends up fleeing the house uh, after that. The the tall guy, his name is Mike Lanier. He's one of he's one of uh he's one of the the world's tallest twins. He uh he's he's he stood at a a, a feet at, uh he stood at a, a height of seven uh seven foot seven inches, and but he he did unfortunately die in, in 2018 at the age of at the at the age of 48, but he was legitimately that tall. All right, so so Jay sees the tall man and she she flees the house i mean i would too if i saw that thing coming at me and uh her friends end up finding her at a nearby playground and you know they're talking to her and stuff and all of a sudden we see somebody coming up and she asks real quick if they can see who's coming up and they say yeah and so then she's not as concerned because they can see it too and it turns out it's their neighbor greg and Greg is a fucking asshole in this movie. Uh, I'm I'm very glad that he ends up he ends up dying later on. He just he's he's just a, such a douchebag. So uh, Greg comes up there and then uh, she uh, they explain everything to him and then he walks off and asks where he's going and he says that you know obviously somebody's at the drive. So they end up driving to Hughes' house or where he said he lived to find it abandoned and. In this uh, in this house, like you see, you, you notice that like uh, he has like a he has like little uh, he has cans on strings and stuff like in front of windows and, and everything, and he has a, the whole place like trapped up to where he can tell if somebody comes in, which I thought was really neat. Uh, I thought that he that uh, how it was really neat how he had all that set up and everything. It's a smart thing to do when you have an invisible entity coming after you. 
so the, they find that out and they end up finding a picture uh, there in uh, in a magazine he has uh, there where it shows him in a letterman jacket and uh, they find out that the 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 high school that the leatherman jacket is is associated with is is, is nearby and they know where he is so they want to go and pretty much find out what his real name is so they end up going to his school and talking to uh, the people that they need to and they find out that his real name is jeff redmond and what's awesome is there's a part so after after this they're they're leaving the school and they get in the car before they're leaving and if uh, they didn't notice it uh, i don't know if you noticed it jr as they're leaving there's a person walking towards them that i don't think that they noticed no i did i didn't notice that's one of the things is as there's sometimes in the film where i feel like i see somebody i'm like i think they're following them but obviously it's like you know as they yeah. leave it gets broken up yeah that's what i like about this is the movie has a whole another level of suspense and horror to it because you, you don't really know who is really there and who's the entity so after this they end up uh finding out where jeff really lives and they go to his house where he lives with his mom and they get him to come out and he starts talking to him and pretty much explaining everything to him and everything and then uh while they're sitting out on the yard and he's explaining everything we see some somebody walking towards him and he gets real uncomfortable there for a minute and asks if they can if they can see her and they say yeah and so obviously it's still like you know even though he's passed it on he's still very freaked out over this and it's still on edge about this thing following him and so he he tells jay that the best thing for him for her to do is to pass it on to somebody else and it's at this point like you can see that, that paul seems to like want he wants jay to pass it on to him that he wants to you know basically be a hero and and her to pass it on to him so he can have it and so she won't have to worry about it but but uh jay doesn't want to do that so later on well uh, i was gonna say just real quick um kudos to the guy who plays uh hugh and slash jeff in this film he does such a great job playing such a paranoid you know yeah Oh yeah, he person. does. And um, that part, I feel like he kind of raises his voice and is like, "Do you see that person?" And just the way he does it is just like, "Oh my god, you would think this guy is like doing drugs or something like that." Yeah. Um, because he's such like it's like he's hallucinating. And then, I mean, obviously, I can completely understand. I mean, let's be realistic. Jay doesn't want to. If you have to pass it on, he passes it on. Yeah. I mean. Paul's a nerd, and so there she's looking like, well, if I have to keep passing this on and I give it to Paul, he's gonna be stuck with it. He's probably gonna die, and then I'm gonna have to deal with it again. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So Jay, uh, Kelly, Yarrow, and Paul and Greg, they all leave Jeff's house, and they're gonna go to Greg's family lake house. And pretty much get away because it's like it's like three it's like I think the it's like 300 miles away or something like that. So you know it gives them a nice nice cushion to be away from this thing. So they all go to the lake house and here at the lake house, uh, Greg is kind of teaching uh, Jay how to shoot because uh, he has a revolver there and. 
they're all hanging after the, after they do some shooting, they're all hanging out on like the, they're all hanging out at, at the lakefront. And, uh, this is really awesome scene where you see, you see Jay, Paul, uh, Kelly and Greg all there together on the beach. And then you cut and then cuts the camera cuts back to behind them. And you see Yarrow walking towards them from the background. Well, then it cuts back around to, I think behind, uh, behind Kelly and them. And we see Yarrow actually swimming by on a float. So there's two Yarrows. And then, uh, the entity comes up behind Jay and she grabs her hair and we see Kelly get, you know, obviously very spooked because she just sees Jay's hair just float up in the air. And so, so now the entity has a hold of Jay by the hair and then everybody starts uh, uh, trying to get her away from it. And then it, it even ends up slinging uh, Paul. And so Jay and them, they all get away and Jay runs to, uh, it's like a boat. It's like a, a, a boathouse thing to grab the revolver to shoot it. So she gets out there and she opens the door and she has the revolver and she's shooting. And obviously these freaking, the, the, the lessons didn't help at all because she's not hitting shit. Like she missed like almost every shot except for, except for the final one where she finally hits it in the neck. But it, uh, it falls down and just like Michael, it just gets right back up. It didn't even phase it. Uh, it didn't even phase it. That, that much uh and then there's oh, my favorite part of this though is when she's shooting at the entity oh and it's and going after and i believe yeah and greg ducks behind a um a chair but not like not like a steel chair yes yeah, it's, it's or like, like a wooden chair like a lawn chair it's a lawn chair that has um like a plastic netting type uh a cloth yeah. netting i can't there's That's a name for i can't think of it we're talking about like a 1980s shitty lawn chair he ducks behind. And I was just like, oh, please die for just being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so so she ends up shutting the door, uh, and they're all stuck in the lake house besides Greg, who's outside. But the entity's coming after Jay, so it doesn't matter. And here's where we see that. So the entity can't just, like, appear it still has to interact with the physical world. So you can lock it, lock it out and stuff. And so it'll still have to break down that door in order to get in. And they're all just kind of sitting in the lake house. And all of a sudden the bottom of the door blows open. And then we see it takes the form of some kind of like little boy. It's a real freaky looking kid. It comes in. And so Jay runs out the, uh, the sliding door of the boathouse. And then she runs past and she ends up, uh, grabbing greg's car and getting in it and driving off on it and it's hilarious because you can hear greg like yelling like in the background like that's my fucking car like it's it's clear greg doesn't believe any of this is going on he thinks they're all they're all stupid which i don't understand like how he doesn't understand see that any of this is real when you literally just saw jay's hair just flap in the air and they clearly hit something when they try to hit it with a chair that's why I say Greg, Greg's just an asshole, and I'm so glad he got what's, what's coming to him. So Jamie gets in the car, and she drives off, 
and as she's driving, there's a truck pulling out at some point, and so she dodges to miss it, and she hits a mailbox and runs into a cornfield, and so she crashes the car. Well, then it goes, cuts to, and we see Jamie, she's in the hospital, and uh, during while she's at the hospital, she ends up sleeping with Greg in the hospital bed. I see it as more as Greg was taking advantage of her, because Greg doesn't believe this thing is real, and so obviously, you know, it's you know, it's like, okay, cool. But also it's like, Greg is also, uh, one of those, those people who just sleeps around, he would just sleep around. So it's also like, a she'll pass it on to Greg and then he'll pass it on to somebody real quick after that. And so it'll leave them. I guess that was what her thinking was after this happens. Like it comes a, a few days later and they're back at the house and it's nighttime. And we see Jay, she's looking out the window and she sees, Greg was supposed to be Greg walking towards Greg's house and he kind of looks in and it just takes like a, uh, it, it takes something and it smashes a window and it just climbs through Greg's house through the broken window. And so then Jamie runs out of the house or Jay runs out of the house and she's trying to warn Greg by telephone, but he's not answering. So she runs into the house and then she runs upstairs and she finds, uh, it looks like uh, Greg's mom, and but and she's knocking repeatedly on Greg's door. At some point, the entity turns around and looks at uh, looks at Jay, and gives her like these evil this evil stare, like oh, I'm gonna get you next after I get him. So, and this this is funny because like this scene is just like a typical t- teenager fashion. Uh, he finally opens the door and says what, uh, like real pissed off, and then. Uh, she jumps on him, and so then Jay runs over there to see what's going on, and I don't even know how to explain how Greg died, but, but Greg's dead. He died in a very weird way. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, At first, like he electrocution, but it's not. I feel like he was suffocated. Uh, I feel like because when you see him, he looks like blue. But if we back up, when he knocks on the, we said he doesn't believe this is real. His mom is beating on the door, and he opens the door and says, what? And the spirit launches out from him, and the spirit is his mom. His mom is half naked with one of her breasts exposed. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if I'm getting someone beating on my door, and you know this evil spirit, and you open the door, and it's your mom, and she's exposed, I'm going to assume something's fucked up and wrong. Yeah, I'm just saying. And so, yeah, again, he deserves to die for being a moron. So, I mean, he he almost got killed behind behind a plastic, you know, lawn chair, and now he got killed because obviously he couldn't put two and two together. Yeah, just <laughs> a very this was this was a very um it's a very odd, a very weird weird scene odd scene weird. and a very it's very weird death. Yeah, very weird scene, but also like very like uh. It was a very uneasy scene like this. What you feel a sense of, of dread. I was gonna say though, the one thing is um you could see though, like Jay, she goes and she sees Greg, and I could just feel like in her face, she's just like, son of a bitch, I gotta deal with this again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so Jay leaves the house and she gets in a car and she flees. Now here's where she does something stupid that I don't really understand. She spends the night outside, out in the woods, and she's sleeping 
on top of the car instead of in it. I'm sorry, but if I have an entity following me, I feel like I'm going to feel safer inside of a car with the doors locked and the windows up than on top of the hood of the car. So after this, we cut to a scene and we see Jay and she's at a beach and she sees these three, these three, these three younger guys on a boat. And so she ends up, uh, all we see is we see her uh, start taking off some of her clothes and getting into her swimwear and she gets in the water and she walks, it looks like she's kind of swimming toward the boat and then it cuts back and we see Jay pulling into her driveway but it's obvious that she got that uh, her hair's all wet and stuff and and stuff so like here's what uh what's interesting is like this part's left for interpretation it's like do you think that she slept with with those guys to try and pass it on or do you think she didn't do anything because the movie doesn't say i think she got i think she got cold feet like she's like still frightened doesn't know exactly what to do yeah yeah yeah, that's what i'm thinking I'm thinking maybe she thought about it, but then she didn't. But it seemed it just it, it, it's left up it's left for interpretation. Uh, so we see she she's back. Paul is been uh, poor Paul. He's he's trying so hard, man. He he he's he's eager to take the risk. He tells them he tells her that he's eager to take the risk, and he offers Jamie the opportunity to pass it on to him, but she refuses. So uh, as she turns him down, he turns and looks, and he remembers a. He sees a picture on the wall of them at a pool, and so then he gets the idea. He asks uh, Jay if they remember where they had their first kiss, and she remembers, and so he tells him about his plan of going to the pool to try and defeat the the entity. So the, the group plans to kill the entity by luring it into this swimming pool and dropping electrical devices into the water. So they all head out towards there. And I, I love this this scene of before they get to the pool when they're walking in and they're talking about like Detroit and how where the city ends and the suburbs begin. And then you get this like amazing score behind behind them explaining everything and just just beautiful cinematography throughout before they get to the pool as they're leaving to go to the pool. As they're driving away, we see the entity on top of the house, just just standing on top of the roof of the house. And it's like in the form of like a naked man. And I don't know if you know, the entity had taken the form on of Jay's father. No, I didn't know that. And it's only the form it takes because it's it seems that the form is, with the exception of Greg's mom, like it's just very random. Yeah, it seems like uh, sometimes that like it takes on the form to try and intentionally hurt you, depending on on who it is. But uh, so so they end up going to the pool. And, you know, they're waiting in the pool and then Jamie spots the entity. And like I said before, it's her, it's her, it's her father who, who is, who's dead. So she sees him entering the pool. And so they throw devices, they start throwing devices at her, but I can't get a current going or something like that. Well, I think what happens is like at the end of the day, it's, you have potentially, I mean, and honestly, do not send this at home because there's nobody to know for sure and you probably yeah. could potentially die. Is that maybe it's too much it's too much water and not enough current. Yeah. Or the, the other option also too is like he's also throwing stuff that's not plugged in. It's like I saw I saw a bunch of random things. I yeah, I saw like a old television. 
I could have swore I saw her get hit with an iron. <laughs> a blow dryer. There was a blow dryer. There was just a lot of random stuff. So once that doesn't work, Paul ends up grabbing the revolver, and he just starts firing shots at it, even though he can't see it. And one of the shots ends up hitting Yarrow. And so then they end up throwing a blanket, uh, a sheet over it, and uh, Paul turns around and just shoots it straight up in the head. And it, it falls into the the water, but it ends up uh, grabbing – it ends up – it's not dead. And so it ends up grabbing Jamie and is pulling her underwater and is trying, is trying to keep her underwater and drowning her. Uh, Paul ends up, once again, start shooting it in the pool. I mean, honestly, Paul should honestly not be shooting these random shots after he literally just shot Yarrow and Jamie's right there. I mean, he's he's probably he's taking a very high risk of, of shooting and killing Jamie right there. Uh, yeah, and honestly, nobody should be shooting this film because obviously, especially after this the beach scene, you can't kill it. Yeah, shooting it. So why are we shooting? I mean, yeah. it definitely it looks it gives a very interesting suspense, especially when you shoot into the pool. But I'm just I'm yelling at uh, Paul like, dude, you're gonna fucking kill it. Like I'm yelling in my bed, you know, watching this last night. I'm like, you're gonna fucking kill Jay. What are you doing? Stop. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so he's shooting at that stuff at Jay and the entity, and finally he finally hits it, and uh, uh she ends up getting out. Uh, Jay ends up getting out of the pool, and they see the pool start filling with blood. So you know. Did they kill it? I don't know. Uh, so after this, we cut to another scene, and we see Jay and Paul are back at her house, and they're uh, and they end up having sex on the couch. So and after and after that, uh, he asks Jay if they if she feels any different, and she says no. And and uh, he says he doesn't either. So it's night time, and we see Paul. Is driving through town, and we see him pass some two prostitutes, and he takes he's taking a look at them, but we never. But then it cuts to another scene, and this is the end of the movie, and I love this ending so much. We see Jamie and Paul, Jay and Paul walking down the street, and they're holding hands. So you know, obviously now they're a couple, and they don't look necessarily happy per se, but more not as concerned, I guess, and. As they're walking down the street, the camera turns uh, in front of them, and we see them like in the background. There's something. There's a figure walking behind them. So it's like we're left for interpretation. Did they kill the entity, or is that still the entity still alive, still following them, just always going to follow them? Yeah, that's the best thing I would say about that is we leave it to interpretation. You know, my interpretation is that it's not dead. Yeah, I interpret that Paul potentially had sex with these prostitutes yeah they pass it on and then yeah. the last part is though is what you said it there's always going to be an entity following them yeah for the rest of their lives and so um we can figure out a way to kill it permanently so that was the movie and like i said like, i love that it leaves a lot of things up to interpretation because like you don't know if jay slept with the three guys on the boat and you don't know if paul slept with prostitutes and you don't really know if the figure behind them is a person or the entity following them it's just all up to how you perceive the movie. This is the only movie that they've made. The the actress who plays uh, Jay, she's said that she's completely open for a sequel and would love to see a sequel, but so far there's there hasn't been any talk of one. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm 
I'm going to add one of the other interpretations that I, not interpretations, I would say, um, how do I say this? Because I don't want to criticize anybody at the end of the day, it's people's lives. But one of the things I took out of it, I could say like in the area I live in, there's a lot of discussions about, or there's a lot of issues with like teen pregnancy and STIs and that go on. Like we're one of the highest rates in the nation. And so one of the things I look at is the responsibility of of having relations and when you look at this spirit it could be you know my interpretation of analogy is that the spirit represents an sti that's continued to be passed on from one person to the next and it's like you really have to you know take responsibility to your um any type of relations you have with individuals because you don't know what potentially could happen and, you know, I'm sure when Jay had sex with you, the last thing she thought of was all this was going to happen. And that's kind of, it's a metaphor for it, the way I look at it, a metaphor for, you know, STDs, teen pregnancy, you know, and yeah. it's just like, you kind of have to be, you have to be careful and take that responsibility. And that's, I never thought I would learn something like that from a horror film. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that's pretty much the same interpretation I got from it as well. But uh, also, add uh, this to every add this to every uh, safe sex week in every single high school and see yes. see if kids if yeah. kids learn better from this than <laughs> what they're being told. I mean, and 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 just because I just think everybody should watch this movie because I love it so much. Uh, another thing I really like about this movie, uh, there's this underlying theme of and of something that I can really relate to a lot of, of being stuck. Like, cause, uh, Jay, Jay talks a lot about how she used to daydream about, uh, about being old enough to go on dates and going and going to all these places. And now that she is old enough, there's really nowhere to go. So, and it's like, it's like these people feel like, you know, they're kind of stuck in their hometown and, and can't really, even though they're old enough to leave, they can't leave and like th that was the theme i really related to because like you know uh after high school like I, I used to after high school when, when i started going to college uh when i was still living in my hometown uh i was going to com community college and like i would see all these people from the, that i knew who were still stuck living and working in their in the hometown and that was just something that i, I never i always uh, i never wanted to be stuck there i wanted to leave and it, it took a while for me to finally to, to finally make the leap and leave but uh I, I for years i felt that that theme of of being of knowing i was old enough to go somewhere and i could but i felt stuck i had yeah i feel you but yeah so that was it follows uh like i said i got i love this movie it's one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years i, I mean and this this is a very polarizing movie there's a lot of people that love it and then there's also a lot of people that that, that hate it and and I, I see why from either side you know if you if you lock it you lock it if you don't uh, then you know i'm not gonna knock you i'm gonna give it f five old woman in in nightgown entity uh, out of five uh it just because like i've I love all the characters in this movie, uh, but you, besides with the, with the exception of Yaro, uh, uh, with the exception of Yaro, just because I feel like 
she's really not she really don't play that big of a role here but other than that like i love the theme of the movie i love the setting the cinematography is just absolutely beautiful to me the score is amazing and i just feel like it's just a really good film uh and and it also like it feels like an 80s retro horror movie and you know i'm i'm a huge fan of 80s horror movies so obviously that that, that played a big role in into me liking it and uh just like like how you feel like i feel like this this feels like like halloween in, in a way yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give it uh three bullets and a ricochet you can leave that up to interpretation for my <laughs> rating um i i like this I like the greediness of the way that the cinematography, I like the score. I really did enjoy the actors. Yeah. I, I love the, the uniqueness of the film. Yeah. I, I don't like for me, you know, when I look at any other film, like I don't think there's not another one that's like it. I love the metaphor, the interpretations. Um, I always, I give it three and I would say a ricochet is basically a three and a half is i don't i can't honestly say i would want to go back and watch it i um i put out of enjoyment which because uh, it's very hard because i'm not gonna like i didn't hate the film i'm intrigued by the film yeah and it's different than the sense like if i saw this film again i would want to study it i wouldn't want to sit there and just like it's you know out of an out of like oh i want to see this film like i want to watch halloween every year because i love halloween and i have so much yeah i I love everything about it this one i think it really needs this is a film that that i would want to see again to study more about the film yeah um this the the storyline the spirit you know what's left for interpretation um i would definitely be extremely intrigued if they made a second one to see where these where these characters have moved on um but it is def like I said I I definitely have seen a, a lot worse. Yeah. So when people okay. say they love it or hate it. I don't think this is a film, in my opinion, that you can hate is because I don't think there's anything about it that I could hate. And I don't even want to. I didn't want to say I've seen better films because it's such a unique film. Like you really can't compare it to anything. Like you can, you know, you can see how it drew inspirations, but like you really you can't compare. Like oh, it's like this vampire film or this werewolf film or this you know slasher film like it's it's such a unique take that this uh that the the writer uh, went with yeah um yeah and what's cool is like there's a lot of symbolism and underlying themes in this movie that you don't pick up on the first time you watch it uh i've seen this movie like multiple times it wasn't until this watch that i and doing some research that I found out that there's this underlying symbolism with this, uh, this red ball. I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, there's a scene where, when after the first time Jay, Jay is infected, she's looking at herself in the mirror and a red ball hits her window and then it cuts out and she doesn't see anything, but then it cuts all cuts around the camera cuts around and you see that the entity is hiding out under her, her window. Uh, well then, uh, later on, uh, there is a red ball uh, rolling toward Greg's house, and then there's even uh, 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 when Greg gets killed, his mom. Uh, there's a shirt. His mom. Uh, there's a shirt on uh, that he has on that has uh, somebody with a red ball 
in it and then in, uh, in, uh, there's other instances of like where a red ball is involved w- w- with the entity which is odd uh, I don't understand that symbolism there I don't get it either and I thought it was just that I thought it was a spirit fucking with her because wasn't there somebody hiding on the window yeah the entity was eventually I'm gonna have to go back and watch it again and actually you know what that's one of the things that that I always try to watch a movie twice and yeah. I only got to see this one time um this week unfortunately so I always, I always want to see it again to see what else, you know, now especially I know the background, very interested to see what more can I take from it. Yeah, see what all the, all the different Halloween tropes and stuff. But yeah, like uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the film and uh, hope you all enjoyed our review of it. We appreciate everyone who checks out the podcast and, and listens to our reviews and continues to support us. Uh, join us next week for we're, we're going to be reviewing Black Christmas. Uh we haven't decided yet on which one. <laughs> there's, I, there's three different versions. There's yeah, a, I, and this is and to everybody. Like, I can't say this enough. You, Kyle should be given, like, a bronze medal for having to deal with me because this was my pick, and I still haven't decided which one because uh, I really want to I really want really to go over the, the new one, but I've heard such negative things about it, but I'm intrigued. Wow. But I also... I think that you also got to go over the original one because it is the original. Yeah, but then I'm like, well, what about the remake? Because I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So, yeah. Uh, Winstead, so, yeah. Uh, in the next yeah. 72 hours, I'm going to have to figure out which movie we're going to watch because Kyle is going to need a note. So that way we can uh, review it next week. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. We're reviewing Black Christmas, one of the three uh, different versions of it. I don't know which one yet, but. Just stay tuned to our Twitter at Trick or Treat Pod, and we'll keep you informed on which one we decide on. Like I said, we hope you all enjoyed this review. We just want to give a special thanks to our editor, Carmen Childers, for everything he does. He makes us all sound good and just does a wonderful job editing our podcast, and is just a wonderful person in general, and we can't thank him enough for everything he does for us all. Uh, check him out at CarmenChildersAVTech.com. Uh, buy some of his merch or – uh, if you have any AV uh, AV tech services you need, uh, hire them. Shout out to our uh, to the rest of our uh, friends on the Slashcast podcast network. It is it's, it, I can't even talk enough about how much I love being part of this part of this network. I've made so many friends with so many different people from the show, and I mean that I interact with on a daily basis who've become r- real close to me, and and it's just such a wonderful network to be a big part of like it's it's not like most po- uh, podcast networks like it really feels like a family like all of us interact with each other like almost on a daily basis and just thank you all for everybody who checks us out and continues to to listen to us so we all appreciate the support so uh with that being said uh we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up jr you got any closing plugs I'm going to leave you with this. We're not going to get into it because we'll be here for another six hours. You know, you and I, Kyle, as we know, and anybody follows us, you know, we've recently gone through some, you know, changes, you know, what we're doing with our, you know, our passions and what we're focusing on and, you know, potentially working for other places. The most important thing out to everybody out there is whenever you're discussing anything in life, make sure you choose your words wisely because words do matter and words can hurt people in ways that you don't realize. And just because you didn't mean to say things a certain way doesn't mean that's not how it's perceived and perception becomes reality. So um, just remember that. Remember, respect, respect one another. 
and enjoy this holiday season because during this time of uncertainty, the only thing that we have is each other and we don't know for how long. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was beautifully worded, JR. With that being said, we must uh, bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Stay creepy. Bang.